Well, let's get into Joshua. We're going to be in Joshua 2 today, if you're following along in your text. Uh, If you guys don't realize this about me, uh, my brain and my mouth have a severe communication issue. Uh, My brain and my mind and my mouth move at various speeds at different times. Uh, In fact, if you have been here long enough, you'll notice that I make up words on the spot whenever I want to because I have that sort of creative license. Like rappers can make up words, why can't I? Um, You know, pastors can do that. In fact, uh, our tech team is joking about that they have a bingo card of words that I make up. And so if you hear anybody yell bingo in the midst of service, uh, know that I hit on a word that hit somebody's bingo card, okay? And so uh, just my brain is fast, and one of the things that I have learned over my years is I literally have to get myself to sleep by putting myself in a dream. I don't know if if that's any of you guys, but I have to get my brain to stop thinking about something. And so I have to put myself in a dream in the position that I'm laying in in bed. Crazy, right? I I don't know where I learned that technique that was just supernatural probably happened. Uh, And so often I'm a sniper, in uh, on my side uh, or I'm hiding from somewhere and I'm always kind of like getting into these missions where I have to infiltrate a camp. It's always like World War II and I have to kind of get through the enemy lines and get behind it and then, and then be the hero of the day. That's kind of how I have to get myself to sleep. Crazy kind of deal that I have to go through. Today, we are going to literally speak about somebody who just doesn't pretend to be a hero and infiltrate camps. We're going to talk about somebody that actually did it and a person of faith that brings us great value. There's a mission that we're going to read about today that brings us a greater understanding of grace and mercy and faith. And I just, I love the story of Rahab. Rahab is who we're going to concentrate on today in Joshua 2, and she's going to bring lots of good stuff to us today. And so understand that after 40 years of just wandering in the desert, God delivered his people into the promised land. He, he had delivered them out of Egypt once. He had gone across, they had gone across the Red Sea on dry ground. He, God had supernaturally defeated the enemies. And now we're around 1400 BC. And, and the mantle of leadership was passed to a guy named Joshua, who is an able, faithful, courageous leader. And he's going to take them into the land of Canaan. Joshua sends out this reconnaissance party, two spies that are going to go over the Jordan and into this formidable city called Jericho. And it didn't take long for the pair to arrive at the city. Jericho is about 17 miles from the Jordan River. It's strategically planted on the fertile plains in the area in the Jordan Valley. And as they walk, they begin to notice just the grandeur of the city, that you try to blend into the busyness of the pedestrians uh, in this great city. And, and, it, and they had to be vastly impressed by the size of the fortification of the city of Jericho. This is what it would have looked like in their day, the city of Jericho. These tremendous, maybe you've had a Sunday school song about the walls of Jericho. These, this is what they would have come upon when they, they tried to infiltrate the city of, of Jericho. And so they were there to kind of take some mental notes um, of the fortifications, of the people, and they instantly had to, in that moment, had to realize the impressive man-made structure that was present and probably understood that the only way to breach or destroy that would be for a supernatural God to intervene. And that's exactly what happened. And so the the incredible events uh, that follow include and encourage uh, uh, us in a, a lesson that we hear about a woman named Rahab and, and how she lived a, 
uh, a faithful life, even with an ungodly history. Uh, without a doubt, Rahab, uh, the harlot, uh, helped save the lives of these spies that came into the city, which end up turning uh, the path of God's people towards the utter destruction of Jericho and the d- deliverance into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. And so we'll read this together in Joshua 2. And so you can look in your Bibles, or you can read it on this page or on the screen with me. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she asked, True, the men came to me. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given to you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. And so this is the story of Rahab and Jericho. And so what do we know about Rahab? She played a pivotal role in the fall of Jericho. If you look in Haley's Bible handbook, uh, you would know that Rahab was what we call a temple prostitute. Uh, And I don't recommend Google searching that at all, okay? If you're curious, uh, she was a temple prostitute. She followed this god named Ashtoreth. Um, they would worship that way. Um, I know we have lots of kids in here. She would work up that way. Um, and so uh, that would have been an acceptable line of work in Jericho. Now, I want you to understand, Jericho is just, it's not just some normal city. It's not like Indianapolis. It's just not, like, this place is, like, wretched. They practice human sacrifice. They practice all sorts of debauchery. None of that, listen, none of that is like we're saying that in a way to say, well, God should have destroyed them. Like there's no, there's no like humanly evidence to say, well, they were such great sinners that we should destroy them. But we know this from talking days ago, weeks ago, that God uses violence in certain ways. And certainly in this scenario, he's using violence to purify his people. We talked about the, the four ways that God Uh, uses violence in the Old Testament. If you haven't heard about that, you can go back to our first week on the internet and kind of read about that. But God is using violence to purify his people because we know this. Sin just doesn't stay where it's at. If God doesn't get rid of the people of Jericho, he knows that his people are gonna, they're gonna wander into Jericho and before you know it, all of that sin and all that disobedience is gonna infiltrate the Israelite nation and so God has to purify his people to preserve the messianic line to get to Jesus. And so we know that that this is a heathen city. Rahab and her family lived in the outer wall 
uh, inside of the wall, it's suggested. And that house probably doubled as some sort of inn for travelers to come in. That's probably why these men kind of come to her and ask her for help. Uh, and it also appears that Rahab kind of was in part of a, a less questionable uh, work life as well. She had either raised flack or she was drying it to sell it, and she had put it on her rooftop, and that's kind of where uh, these men hid. And so the whole city, because they're 17 miles from the Jordan, 17 miles from where the people of Israel had been for a while, would have known about like these humongous things that God had done in the nation of Israel. They would have known of their power. They would have known of the acts that he had done. They would have understood and realized that this is, these are some significant people. Significant people with a significant power. And although the, the Canaanites had many, many, many gods, uh, Rahab came to realize that this was just no ordinary god that was about ready to enter her city. Upon entering Jericho, to determine its strength, these spies, they confirmed with Rahab, a conversation kind of pursued and revealed an understanding that Rahab knew who the true God of Israel was. She had known about who God was. And so when the king kind of sent out the spies to find these people, who are these people in my land? Rahab, because of her faith that we're going to talk about in a little bit, hides these people on the roof to kind of keep them safe Understanding the gravity of the situation, uh, she hides them because she knows that they're going to be killed. And then these men come. They, and, and, and before that, Rahab negotiates this agreement with the, the two spies. She makes this agreement that she'll bring her family in this house if they keep her safe, if she hides them. And so they make this agreement. And this is kind of how it works out. We'll read this together in Joshua 2, starting in verse 15. She said, then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards, you may go your way. The man said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the streets, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of yours, of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. The deal was struck. God is going to because of it, take Jericho into the lands, the hands of the Israelites. He flattens the walls. If you would go to Jericho today, this is what you would see. You would see this. This is Jericho today. You can actually go there and see it. In this story, Rahab's house is left standing, and it had been agreed upon that her family would be kept safe and sound if she committed herself to the oath and following it. Now, isn't it, what I think is crazy, that scarlet cord. There's so much beauty in that scarlet cord. Imagine if somebody said, hey, put the scarlet cord around your window 
and we'll keep you safe. Do you think she just put a little strip? I'll just put this. Or did she go to Hobby Lobby and buy out the whole scarlet section and just don't forget this? Is that burgundy or scarlet? I don't care. Just put it up there. That scarlet cord has significant meaning, right? Significant meaning. What did the Exodus, what did the Israelites have to do in Exodus? They put blood over the doors so the spirit would pass by in that plague. The scarlet cord represents blood, the Passover. What would we become, come to be saved by? The blood of Christ. And so there's just this beauty within the story of Rahab of the gospel of Christ. The beauty of God's blood being what atones us. But the story doesn't end here for Rahab. Rahab is one of two women. Think of this. Rahab is one of two women that's mentioned in the faith chapter in Hebrews 11 of examples of godly faith. The other is Abraham, Abraham's wife, Sarah. And nobody would really question uh, Sarah's virtue and her qualifications to be included. But really, Rahab? Rahab, why would a holy and righteous God put a prostitute as one of his faithful servants. God, God must realize that he must realize that, that this communicates something to us. It shows us his great mercy and power in the midst of human weakness. It is out of Rahab's weakness that she's made strong in faith through the power of God. The record of her deeds provides significant scriptural evidence for why God included her into the faith chapter. It says this in Hebrews 11, by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. When she received the spies with peace, her faith was commended. And so listen, for Rahab, it was the faith of Rahab that set her apart from others. What else would have caused these men to act in such a way? What else would have caused God to act in the way? What else would have caused her to act in a way? She believed that when the spies came, she knew who they represented. And she expressed it and proclaimed it. In that moment, in that time, nothing else would have been qualifying for her. She's a prostitute. What else could she have given God? It wasn't going to be about her looks. It wasn't going to be about her work. It wasn't going to be, it was only her faith that made God delight in her. That's the only thing that set her apart. And what a great lesson that is for us to remind ourselves that in the world as we know it, our faith is what brings delight to the Father. It is what pardons us. It's what sets us apart over and over and over again. We see this as a story in the scripture that God rewards faith. When we look in Genesis, God saves a whole city for one righteous man, a faithful man named Lot. Faith is what God delights in. It is faith that sets us apart. It's faith that sets us apart. Rahab is a person that points us backwards and forward to the covenant that God has with his people. It is faith that creates righteousness. Abraham, righteousness was credited to him by his faith. Rahab, righteousness is credited to her by our faith. You and I, righteousness is credited to you by your faith. In that very chapter of Hebrew 11, it says, it's without faith, it is impossible to please God. Forever, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Rahab reminds us of the beauty of faith. 
simple faith that God delights in. Now, how many of you would be willing to risk your life for that faith? How many of you would be willing to risk your life of your friends and your family for that faith? And even more, how about enemy spies? Rahab risked her life to protect enemy, enemy spies. She focused on the global mission of those spies, that they represented God. She didn't just believe in the existence of God. She literally believed that he revealed that he was going to take the promised land, that he had made a promise to them, and she risked her own life for these people. Risked her own life. This is what she says in in Joshua 2. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. The terror of you has fallen on us and all the inhabitants of this faint-hearted land because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did they remain any courage in any because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God in heaven above, on earth and beneath. Rahab is living out her faith. She never saw any of those things. Never witnessed any of that. She just heard about it. And she trusted by faith that she had a faith in a God who was more powerful than all the others and would take care of her and her family as well. Rahab's faith and conviction give us the courage to look at death face to face and live. We can learn powerful lessons from Rahab. Her example demonstrates living faith in a forgiving, merciful God. But make no question that her faith was tested. Her faith was tested and it was acted upon. What is faith if it's not tested and acted? Faith is just a thought if we don't act on it if we don't test it in some ways. Now, we should note that Rahab's response here is not perfect. Like She lies in this text, and, and we can kind of look at this and excuse it, but that, that's not what the Lord would have. God would not commend her lying. He commends her faith. We know that Rahab is early in her walk. She's like three days or no, three hours into her faith. She probably doesn't have the education to understand that that's a sin, But it is a sin. And in Rahab's sin, I think we probably missed something miraculous. Because God was going to bring those spies out of there. And he was going to deliver the the people of Jericho to to God himself. I I think that life probably robbed us an opportunity to see God working in miraculous ways to get these spies. But nevertheless, she did it out of her own instincts to protect these people. It may have been that she didn't fully understand uh, the sinfulness of her past ways in her life. She did, it, did know that she lived apart from the true God, and now that she believes, she wanted to stand for him. There's no doubt that this would lead to her commitment and her obedience in God down the line. God did not commend her for telling uh, a lie. He commended her for her faith. He commended her for hiding his, his people with courageous faith. The apostle Paul later writes about Rahab. Likewise, 
Was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them the other way? Her works being a natural response to faith. Had she known that lying was a sin, that the whole story would probably have read differently. But she showed a deep devotion to, to God and to the people close to her. Considerable like the destruction that was going to face her. But yet she didn't just think of herself. She thought of her family, her father's household. Rahab's faith is one of courage and concern for others. And it saved people's life. It saved people's life. Over time, Rahab would learn uh, what it would be to be obedient. She was accepted into the nation of Israel. This former prostitute now in God's holy people. It's crazy. Faith that was tested. And so listen. Listen to this. Faith isn't faith unless it's tested and has action. Sometimes in life, we want the easy road. We want to have all the, 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 the beauty of God, the, the, the benefits of God, without having any sacrifice in the faith that we have. That is not faith. That's just good thinking about God. Faith will be tested and it must be acted out. It must be acted upon. That's where true faith is. James, the book of James speaks to this. If we look at James 2, it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his work and faith was completed by his work. We must realize as that temperature gauge on culture increases, your faith is going to be readily tested more and more in the days to come. And I'm not asking you to be fearful of that. It is going to be a great process for the church. God is going to purify his church. Our family will come together. Faith will matter. Substance will be there. People, we will be the sweet aroma to the world in this decaying and dying world. Those of faith live living in the Holy Spirit. But there is a day coming in which our faith will be tested without a doubt. And there will be many in that testing that will turn away from the Lord. It's coming. Are we prepared to act upon it? To live it out. Isn't this message beautiful? I just love Rahab. Just think about the message that we hear in, in Rahab. Faith, merciful God, grace, blood. This is the gospel. Rahab is the gospel of Christ. This is the Old Testament being a shadow of the things to come in the New Testament. This is the Old Testament showing us what Jesus was going to do with us. Because in Rahab, you understand that her grace was not given to her uh, by merit, but her grace was given to her because of her faith, not because of her merit. Given to her because of her faith, not because of her merit. merit. What could she have possibly done? This unclean temple prostitute. It was her belief in God and her willingness to act out on that belief that granted her grace. 
And so listen, Rahab patterns what we will come to know as saving faith in Christ. She will. Rahab is not just a prostitute. She's a Canaanite. She lied, and her lie wasn't only deceitful, it was treasonous. Yet two authors in the New Testament, James and the writer of Hebrews, both commend her for her faith. Far from acting out of fear, Rahab confesses her faith in the Lord as the true king of God, the land that her own people had perversed and profaned. Her faith drives her to courageous obedience in the contrast of the generations of Israelites who died in the desert because of their lack of faith. And so much like Rahab, Jesus brings these beautiful stories of repentant prostitutes into his fellowship. Rahab surrenders her former identity and becomes a part of God's redemptive story. Her messy obstacle, her messy background is no obstacle for God. In fact, Rahab plays a significant role in the coming of Christ. Rahab married Salmon, the tribal leader, and from that marriage would come a guy named Boaz, faithful man, and Boaz would marry Ruth, and in their son would become Obed, and Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. And where did Jesus come from? The line of King David. Amazing that a former prostitute of Canaan would become a a commended person of faith, a mother in the line of the Messiah. It's beautiful, God's redemption. Rahab not only was a part of the line of the messianic line, she experienced in her life. She found deliverance physically and spiritually through the mercy of God. Rahab's story represents what God has in store for us in store for those non-Jewish people that the word says, the Gentiles, you and I, those born not of Jewish faith, that we have been promised salvation. And in short, she's a beautiful paradigm of God's grace in human history, taking outsiders, the unqualified, the unjust, and using them for his redemptive purposes. The question for you and I today is do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that to be true in your life? That it's not about your qualifications or your looks or your job or how beautiful you are, but about your faith. And that God's grace is manifested in your weakness. You don't have to look the part. You don't have to be this holy person for God to say, I want you and I want to move you towards me. God loves you right where you're at. And we speak this all the time, that he loves you exactly where you're at, but he loves you way too much to leave you where you're at. There is nothing that sets you apart besides your faith in God. Why are you trying to look better? You would be better served to repent and surrender to God. You've proven it to yourself that you can't do it. You can't earn God's favor. It's only through Christ. It's only through the blood, the scarlet cord. It's only through his grace that we see in Rahab, and it's only through faith. Rahab is a beautiful message because it's a reminder of us of who Jesus Christ is to us. It's the gospel in the Old Testament.
some 1,400 years before Jesus would enter the scene. And it's beautiful. It's a great reminder of us of what faith should be. Would you pray with me? Father, we just come to you today, and we just thank you for our sister, Rahab. That, Lord, that you brought this beautiful picture of faith and grace and mercy and sacrifice your blood, the gospel, Lord, that you wrote it 1,400 years before Jesus would come on the scene. And God, that you would remind us in Rahab that it's not about our qualifications, it's not about our beauty, it's not about what we look like, it's about our faith in you that is tested and acted out. It's about that faith. That is what you delight in. Not in some empty, hollow work to earn righteousness, but faith that leads to our works. And so God, remind us today of how you see us and what you want from us and the beauty of your message. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for this. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you're in here today and, and you just feel the need, I'm just having some stuff in my life, I just need to be prayed over. If you want to just have a space to come and pray before God, know that we're going to have our prayer team up here. We'd love to pray over you. You can stop in our prayer room afterwards. Uh, but we just delight in praying over each other. And so we're going to stand here and sing one last song to our God. And if in that time you want to come down here, you're welcome to do